Okay, well, there's a lot of scripture on this, so we've got to kind of move quickly. But um, let's just have a quick word of prayer, and then we'll get, get right into this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning uh, to gather for Sunday school. We pray that you'd bless now our Bible study, be with the classes downstairs as well. We pray that you'd meet with them in a very real way and just draw them closer to you. And then bless the morning worship service. We pray that you'd bless the junior church to follow and just um, just bless our day today, Lord. We're so thankful, as always, for your goodness and mercy to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I, our, our, I started this uh, series a few weeks ago, and our theme uh, is Ephesians chapter 4, uh, where we're dealing with, uh, if you notice on the top of your handout, the little image there, walking worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. And in that chapter, the word measure is found. And so it's the idea is measuring our walk as believers. So uh, on your handout, as the Apostle Paul, or if the Apostle Paul was to write down or write a letter to Mount Greylock Baptist Church, or any church for that matter, as he did in the New Testament, how would he begin the letter? What would he write? And what would he thank God for? And I say that because there's a pattern in Paul's epistles. And I want you to see that that's really the gist of this with the idea of measuring our walk individually and collectively with the Lord. So I want you to do this this morning. Just take, uh, just take a moment and read. I have on your handout. I put all the scripture here just so we can move through this quickly rather than turn from spot to spot in our Bibles. But look, look, if you will, at 1 Thessalonians and read to yourselves 2 Thessalonians and see if you can find a pattern in the things that Paul thanked the church in Thessalonica for. And then if you have time, also read Colossians because that pattern is found there as well. And I'll just kind of give you a hint. You'll notice there are three things in each of these letters that Paul thanks the Lord for. All right, anybody want to, anybody see that? See the, the three characteristics that he thanks the Lord for in these two churches? Or, or these two letters? Huh? Charity or love. Yeah, we find that in, in both of these letters to 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. If you read through Colossians at the bottom of the page, you'll also see it there as well. Charity and love, those are synonymous here. Okay, what else? Faith. He commends them for their faith. Yeah, and one, there's a third one. No, not patience, although that's in there. Actually, it's not found in 2 Thessalonians, but it is found in 1 Thessalonians. It's found in Colossians. It's also, by the way, we're going to flip the page. You're going to see it's in Ephesians. It's hope, faith, love, and hope. You'll see this pattern in all of Paul's letters, faith, love, and, and hope. 
Now notice this too in First and Second Thessalonians. So he, second, First Thessalonians was probably written during Paul's second missionary journey, and he's writing it from the city of Corinth, and he commends the church there for this. And when he says on the handout, notice he says, "We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers." and just remembering without ceasing your work of faith. I think we understand he's not talking to an individual there. He's talking to the entire church, to the entire body. You know, so we use that word interchangeable in English. Sometimes I could say, I could be saying you, and I could be referring to Cal, or I could be saying you, and I could be referring to everybody that's here this morning. And so Paul writes to them there, and he, he gives thanks for their faith, their love, and their hope. In 2 Thessalonians, he does the same thing, but you'll notice the measure of their faith and the measure of their charity uh, has what? It has increased. Look at the, the second line, because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth so that we ourselves glory in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. So from the time he wrote the first letter to the time he wrote the second letter, there was a measurable difference. Their faith was growing. Their faith was increasing. Their, their hope and their love was abounding. So you understand that? You see that? This is what he's trying to say to them. So they're moving in the right direction. And then, probably Colossians is written about 10 years later. It's a prison epistle when Paul had been arrested. And look what he says here. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of, here it is again, your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So here it is again, the church in Colossae, right from the beginning, in the introduction to the letter, he commends them for these three characteristics. Now, turn over, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 in your, on your handouts on the next page. And so we read through this here, and what do we find in the introduction to the book of Ephesians? Uh, again, written approximately 10 or so years after, right around the time he wrote the letter to the church in Colossae. He says this, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your, there it is, faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, there it is, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So here are these three characteristics again. Then we could go to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to spend quite a bit of time in 1 Corinthians. And here he says in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, let's just read it all out loud together. It's just a short verse. Let's begin. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Now, let me ask you this. Maybe, maybe you'll notice this. Maybe you won't. Um, what? Well, let me just tell you. Note, notice the location of where faith, 
hope and charity is in comparison to 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Colossians, and Ephesians. What do I mean by that? Location. See if you pick this up. So, huh? Well, it is an important part. You're right, Dennis. But in comparison to 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and Colossians and Ephesians and Corinthians, So let me ask you this: In those first uh, four letters, where where was the where was where were these mentioned at the beginning of the book or further along in the book? Yeah, they're found in the beginning. Where is it found in First Corinthians? It's found in the middle, and I think there's significance to that because if you take your Bibles. Now, I will have you turn here. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. First, or chapter number 1, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. So let's look at Paul's introduction to the church in Corinth. Because I think there's a significant difference here. He is thankful for the church there. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, he says this, I thank my God always on your behalf, for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me just say this, it's pretty much common or accepted when you study the Word of God that the church in Corinth is thought to have been the most gifted of all the churches. But what else were they thought to have been? Anybody want to take a guess? Okay, you don't want to take a guess. They're also thought to have been the most carnal of all the churches. In fact, what do I mean carnal when I say that they're thought to be the most carnal? Yes. Immoral, that's part of, yeah. That's, that's, in fact, if you look it up in Webster, if you have an old Webster's Dictionary, if you were called a Corinthian, it would mean that you were like a lasciviousness, lascivious, immoral, um, very, very fleshly, so here was a church, the point I'm trying to make is, here is a church that God, how do they get, how do they get all of these gifts that, that God gave them? How, how did they get them? Anybody, who would take a guess? They have to earn them? Did they work? We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about their ability to, uh, and the various you know, gifts that apparently, maybe they were gifted, uh, they're gifted teachers, and maybe they were gifted musically, maybe they were gifted uh, in any number of ways. But how do they get these gifts? How does, any, how does any Christian get a gift to serve the Lord? From the Lord. The Lord gifts us. There are certain gifts. We're all, this is another lesson for another time, but I'll just quickly say the Lord gives every Christian at least one gift whereby they can serve the Lord. Everyone. This church was extremely gifted, but they're also extremely carnal. Look, Take your Bibles now and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, or actually in verse 1. So here we find that Paul thanks them, uh, is thankful that they're a gifted church and God had bestowed these great gifts on them. Uh, and then he says this in chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Okay, and remember the whole theme to this Sunday school series I'm, going to, I'm doing is, is our walk. So we find something out here that God can and does gift people to serve him, but we have to, if we're not growing in our walk with the Lord, then we can be very gifted, but yet we can be carnal. Follow what I'm saying? All right. And this was apparently the church in, in, in Corinth. They were that way. They were fleshly. And yet, and they were the most troubled church. If you were a pastor and you were at a pastor's uh, meeting, you would not want to describe your church as being, oh, we're like, we're like the Corinthians. Because the Corinthian church was a mess. They had all kinds of problems that were going on there. We, we've just read there was division that was taking place. There was lasciviousness. There was people suing one another. There was adultery and fornication taking place here. Uh, they had, Paul had to deal with the whole idea of divorce. They were coming, tonight we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. They were, they were coming to observe the Lord's Supper and they were getting drunk. They had a lot of problems there. And, um, and, and Paul writes to them about these things. He, you know, back in, we're not in Ephesians, but that chapter, our theme chapter there, Paul would write to the church there and say, Henceforth, walk not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Well, the Corinthian church was Christians, but they were walking in the vanity of their mind. And so Paul has, has, deals with all of this and uh, has to, and we're going to touch on some of these things. And this was their measure. As he's measuring them, he's saying, you've got problems here. You're not measuring up to the calling God has placed upon your life. You're the most gifted of all the churches, and yet there's something lacking about your walk. And so now on our handout, we go to the great, what's called, often called the great love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. You don't even need to turn there. I've got the whole thing laid out for you here on, on, on your paper. So... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, for many people who aren't even Christians, they know these verses because it's about love. Many times at a wedding, this chapter is read um, on Valentine's Day or on a, like a, a marriage retreat. These, these verses are studied and they ought to be. They're great, great verses with regards to the great love chapter. But I want you to take and think about it from a different perspective this morning as Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Okay, I've already mentioned to you numbers of problems that the church was having there. And we read on your handout, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the very end of this chapter, again, Paul says, And now abideth faith, hope, 
charity, or love. These three, but the greatest of these is charity, love. So I'm trying to get a, the point across, and we see in the other chapters that we've read, or the other books that we've read, the importance of a congregation with regards to their love for one another and their love for the Lord. That's what will bind a congregation together. And he writes this chapter, and there's a certain grammatical technique that he uses, and I'm probably the last person to talk about uh, grammatical techniques because I, I probably butcher the English language more than anything else. But there is a grammatical technique that Paul uses where he's comparing them to himself. Okay? And Paul does that elsewhere. He's, remember, Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. But look, look here, and I, and, I, and I kind of injected some of this into uh, the scriptures. So he begins in chapter 13. And, and now keep in mind all of these things I've already said. This church has got division, fornication, adultery, drunkenness, all of this. And so here it is, 13 chapters in, he talks about faith, hope, and love. So he says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and the idea is, he's saying to them, just as you do, and have not charity, as you certainly don't, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, he's saying, you can have all of these gifts, but if you don't love one another, you're just making noise without any meaning. Verse 2, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, as you do, I mean, he commended them. They, they had some great teachers. And, um, but, but let me just say, just because someone can teach or preach the word of God, and has the gift of, uh, of speaking, if you don't love people, what good is all of that? Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, as you do, this is the technique he's using, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and I don't love people, I have not charity, as you don't, I'm nothing. In other words, the way that you're using the gifts is meaningless. Verse 3, And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, let me just stop there for a minute. Is it possible to give to things like feeding people and clothing people and still not love them? You said yes. Why? Yes, people. What's that? Why would they do that? And it's true. That's exactly right. Why would people give without really? Uh, why do people give and, and, and not necessarily? And I'm not. I'm, that it's really between them and God. I'm not here to judge whether people give or don't give. But there is a there is a reason people would give. But really, there's not an element of love behind it. Yes, a tax break. There's a financial uh, reason for it. Yes. What, what pride? Yeah. 
right? The, uh, the, um, the applause of others, right? Yeah, what else? You want to say something? I can always tell when you want to say something. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's kind of a whole other take on it. But, I, I, but, but people who, but th there's one thing I, I, I think where, that I was thinking about. All these other things are great. What's another reason people do it? It's not necessarily love. Guilt. People are just guilty sometimes. And so well, I've got to ease my guilt and I'm going to go ahead and give because it's not necessarily out of love. So, so, you, so sometimes you might read this and say, well, wait a minute, if someone is going to give their goods to feed the poor and, and uh, they'll give my body be burned and have not love, he says, and he says this, as you don't. And he's really, he's really letting the Corinthians have it here. It profiteth me nothing. In other words, he's saying this, if it was me and I didn't love people for what I did, there's no spiritual value in that. So, what do you think at this point, the Corinthian reaction, you know, when, when he's, when he's, I mean, he's kind of, he's not kind of, he's stepping on their toes. He's saying, you guys need to take a good, strong look in the mirror here about uh, what's happening in your church, in the church here. Now, look on the next page. So, this is interesting. I find this interesting. But now, for almost the balance of the chapter, Paul reviews sequentially all the previous chapters. It gets, just take some time this week and read chapters, I read it several times, chapters 1 through 12. And what Paul then does here in these next verses is he'll, he'll, he makes these comments about love, but then they're really, a ref, that he's reflecting on other things that he wrote to them. And I didn't put them all here, I just put some. So what am I saying? Look at, look at chapter 13, verse 4. So he says this, Charity, it suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Well, what did he say? We read earlier. He said, you're carnal. There's among you envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal as walk as men? So he's teaching them about love and he's saying, this is what love is, verse 4, but this is verse 3, who you are. Verse 5, speaking again about love. Love does not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. Well, here's just one example of what was taking place in the church there. It's reportedly common among commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Now, you know, the context of that, apparently there was a man who was having intimate relations with not his mother, but probably his stepmother. Although in, the, in those days, anything is possible. And um, he said, people who love the Lord thy God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul. They, they don't do these things. People who love one another, they don't do these things. When the love of Christ abides in you. Verse, 60, or verse 6, rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Well, 
what did he say earlier to them in chapter 5? He says, you're puffed up and have not rather mourned that he hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. They were rejoicing in this. They were accepting of this sin. And he said, wait a minute. Love rejoices in, not in iniquity, but true love rejoices in the truth and what God says. Verse 7, with regards to love, it beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, it endures all things. Chapter 8 is the chapter that Paul deals with. There was meat that was being offered to idols and there was a debate between believers whether they should eat that meat or not eat that meat. And Paul said, I understand that this meat is perfectly good to eat, but apparently there are some weaker brothers that find it a real problem to eat this meat. And so he says to them, don't let your liberty become a stumbling block to them that are weak. In other words, there's some things that happen at times amongst believers. And as you grow in the faith, you know, these things really aren't that important. But if it's really going to cause another brother to stumble, a weaker brother or sister to stumble, then my attitude as a loving brother or sister in Christ is to put them first, to help them with whatever it is they're struggling with. Understand what I'm saying? Paul's dealing with this here. Verse 8, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. He's saying to them, listen, all of these things are temporal except for love. And what about faith and hope? Let me ask you this question too. Of those three, faith, love, and hope, is faith, we know that, that love is, is not temporal. What about faith and hope? Is that temporal? Yes. Yeah, why? Right, when we get to heaven, there's no more faith. Faith is done. Because our faith shall be sight. The reality of it. And our hope is getting to heaven and being in the presence of the Lord. So, but love, out of those three, love will last forever and forever and forever and forever. Paul's trying to drill this point home to them. He says, you're missing, you're missing out here. Back, last page, 1 Corinthians 13, 9. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. He's basically saying, as you Corinthians are doing right now, you're very childish in your Christian behavior. I understood as a child, as you are doing. Remember that earlier he talked about um, the meat of the word and milk of the word and um, that, he, that he would like to have given them meat, but they weren't, you know, we understand that meat is the stronger things, the, the, the deeper things of God's word, but they weren't ready for that. And by the way, Paul had spent like a year and a half in that church preaching to them. It wasn't as if they didn't have someone there who was preaching and teaching the word of God to them. They had the apostle Paul. We, they had Peter preach to them. And yet, with these great, I think Paulus also preached. And that, in fact, there was division even in the church about who was the greater. Was it Paul? Was it Peter? Was it Apollos? I, I remember in the early days of, of ministry here, it's not so much any longer, but I remember in the early days, we'd have different missionaries in, and, 
And, and some are, they were from like different schools. And it was almost like, you know, you had somebody from this Bible college versus this Bible college. And there was like this rivalry that, that, was, that was there. I don't see that as much any longer. I, I went to a conference 15 years ago in California where there was Baptists from all different camps. It was the, it was the greatest conference. And there were all different camps that were there. And uh, the, the point of it was, listen, there's always going to be little differences here and there, sometimes in methodology, but never in the message, never in the fundamentals of the faith. And there's enough going on outside of the camp of Christianity that we have to deal with. But why are we fighting about all of these things inside the camp? And... Um, that was happening in the church in Corinth there. They had people said, this one's right, and this one's right, and this one's right. And Paul is saying, this is childish. When I was a child, I spake as a child. He's saying, as you Corinthians are doing. I understood as a child, as you are doing. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, now Paul's pointing to his own growth in the Lord, I put away childish things. He's basically saying, it's time for you to do the same thing. Put these things away. He said earlier in 1 Corinthians, on your handout, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Whereof I beseech you, be ye followers of me. It's dealing with all the division that's there. 13.12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as I also am known. He's, he's saying to the church in Corinth, look at your reflection. It is a poor reflection of who you should be in Christ. It's a poor reflection of the image of Christ. He said earlier, 1 Corinthians 3.6, which is... This verse is speaking corporately about the whole church. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19, he's talking about individuals here. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, that ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So he brings this home and he's saying you're missing out here and he finishes where we started and now abideth faith hope charity these three but the greatest of these is charity so we end where we began the characteristics corporately as a body of believers to which we measure up to the stature of the fullness of christ is measured by our faith our hope and our love for jesus christ and our love for one another that's the commonality you find that's how we measure you know really when you think if we just finish up here if you think of the seven churches in revelation what, what's what is john when he's writing there he's he's measuring them he's telling he, he's he's commending and condemning certain things he's saying here's here's how you measure up and Paul, when he writes there to the church in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, and he uses those terms, how do we measure up to the vocation? So it's important for each of us to, to, to always look and to measure where we stand, just as he had to deal with the Corinthians. 
And if you read 2 Corinthians, you find out that there's numbers of these things that Paul had to deal with, that they got those things right. They began to grow. But he had to be very firm and very straightforward with regards to what he was saying to them. And so often we read through this love chapter, and these are great um, words with regards to love, but if you read it in light of how he was dealing with the church in Corinth, it kind of takes on a whole different meaning. It says, you're lacking all of these things. And it's good for us to read through that and say, am I lacking in those areas? How do I measure up? How would I measure up today with regards to these things? Amen? Amen? That's my lesson for today. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this day and the opportunity to just open up the scriptures and to reflect upon them. And Lord, help us always to be examining our lives and that we are walking worthy of the vocation in which we have been called. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.